Sometimes all a song really needs to go that next mile in order to really shine can be something really, really simple. So today we are going to be talking about three really basic chords that you can sort of inject into your song or use in your song that will really, really go a long way in spicing up your song. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I believe this is episode 143. I, as always, am your host, Joseph Vidala. Thank you to all of you who especially recently have left reviews. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I saw that we're up to, I believe, 38 reviews on iTunes. Um, I'm thinking about actually doing a thing where I read some of the reviews as sort of a, you know, a, a thank you to those of you who, are, who have left the reviews. Um, and when I say read them, I mean, I mean, like, not just me read them because I, I do read them, but I mean, like, read them on the podcast. Uh, that to show that I really, really appreciate all of you who have done that. So if you haven't, be sure to go do that. It helps me out. It's one of the top things you can do to help out this podcast to reach more people is go to iTunes and leave a kind review. If you don't feel like you can give it five stars, do me a favor and shoot me an email, joseph at songwritertheory.com. Joseph is J-O-S-E-P-H. And let me know what I can do to make the podcast better so that hopefully someday I can earn five stars from you and uh, hopefully you don't dank the ratings in the meantime. It's greatly appreciated. And today we're talking about music theory stuff, really, really basic music theory stuff. So don't panic if you're new here and you don't really know any music theory. I'm going to try to make it simple, keep it so that you can understand what's going on. But music theory knowledge is going to help you. And if you've been a listener for a while, you know my policy on music theory that all music or a lot of music theory is very, very helpful, uh, but there's only four pieces I think that are truly essential to know, and I teach those four pieces in my free guide on the four pillars of music theory that every songwriter needs to do, needs to know. So if you are curious about that and want to learn those four pieces, that guide will teach you those four and that uh, sort of, you know how like, for example, when, when you buy something, right? There's sort of a point at which there's diminishing returns, right? Like, I, I don't know exactly where the number is, but you can get like $100 headphones or maybe $200 headphones that if you bought $10,000 headphones, the difference between those and like 200 is not, you know, however many times that is. I don't even remember, remember the numbers I said, but it's not that much better, right? The sound is not really that much better. Uh, so finding out like, where's that like 90th percentile, because then this kind of diminishing returns after that, that's sort of what this guide is for music theory, where your songwriting will skyrocket just knowing these four pieces, which by the way, uh, if you're curious, it's keys, intervals, chords, and chord progressions, um, are, are the four. So if you know those four, that's like 90 to 95% of the way there for what you really need to know for songwriting. Other stuff, again, very helpful. But those are absolutely essential, especially keys, because keys tells you, like, here are the notes I have to play with here rather than just taking random guesses. It allows you to, you know, even go so far as improvising, right? So... Sorry. Point being, 
which that was really basic. But that's knowing keys is just I, I I was like pick a D major, boom, go, and then understanding of chords and what chords to have. So if you want to be able to do that kind of stuff, and then obviously more complex than that, but uh, basically be able to on the spot write music or improvise music that makes sense. That guide will get you there. Songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. So today, we are talking about the three basic chords that we can use to spice up our songs. The first one that we should talk about is the sus chord. So specifically, we're going to dive into the sus4 chord, because I want to keep today's episode not super nitty-gritty music theory. Um... So I want to keep it sort of high level so that even if you don't know any music theory, you can at least take what you learned today, inject it into one of your songs, and then um, hopefully it will be super rewarding. Um, But if you do know music theory, hey, this is going to make plenty of sense to you as well. So sus chords, the basic idea is that a sus chord, instead of having the third of the chord, it will suspend that, and instead it will do either a second or a fourth. So if that confused you, let's lay it out. So let's take a C major chord or C major triad. You have C, E, and G. So the third, you have a first, right, C, and then you skip over a second, which is D. And you have a third in the chord, and then you skip over the fourth, which is an F, and then you have the fifth, which is a G. Right, so it's just counting letters. That's all it is. And, uh, but also knowing what key you're in, so you know whether you have sharps or flats, etc. So anyway, so C, E, G. In the case of a sus chord, which normally if something is labeled a sus chord and it doesn't specify sus2, the implication is that it is a sus4 chord. So a sus4 chord just means get rid of the third and put a fourth in there because it's sus4, so you have the fourth. So, again, doing the counting thing, right? So we said we have, for a C major chord or a C major triad, we have C, and then we have E and G. So we know C is our first, D is our second, which we don't have in the chord. Then we do have the third, normally, for C major triad. We have that E. But we know that we're suspending that. We are no longer going to play that third, because instead we're replacing it with the fourth, because it's a sus4 chord. So instead of that E, we're actually going to have an F. And then we still have the fifth. So it's going to end up being a C, an F, and a G. So that's all a sus chord is, especially a sus4 chord, is you get rid of the third of the chord, and you replace it with the fourth. Now, the reason it's called a sus chord is... Because originally, the, the main way they were used is that the the note that was being, quote, suspended was called such because it was suspended from the previous chord. So, for example, in this case, let's say it was an F major chord beforehand. So it has C, F, and A. And then we were to go and uh, re- make that A go down to a G. So now that is how it was originally used as a suspension in that what I did there is all I moved was the A to the G and then kept the F, even though an F is not in a C major chord. So this is an F major chord, C, F, A, 
and then I lower the A down to a G to make that C sus chord, C major sus chord. Although it could be minor too. There's no third, so there's no way to know. Um, and that helps to make a smooth transition from that F to C, and then usually, eventually, it goes back to where, you know, what the actual chord is. So, a common, this is a common way to use it, where you are transitioning from one chord to the next, and you pick one note to hold over from the previous chord that eventually ends up going back, or resolving, would be a better way of putting it, resolving to what the new chord is, which is exactly what we're doing, right? We're taking that A from the F chord and going to the G that would be in our C major chord, but we're suspending this F from the previous chord and then eventually resolve to the regular C major triad with the E. So it would sound like this. So that can be a nice way to really add some tension to a song. If you want to really, really keep it basic, just think, all right, sus chord is a great way to add tension. There's more to it than that, but if there's a spot where you really want to add some extra tension, a sus chord can be the way to go. It can really, really, really be nice on a five chord, which a five chord, if we go back to the number thing, let's take the key of C. So we have C, D, E, F, G is the fifth, so C1, D2, E3, um, F4, G5. So it's G major chord would be our five chord. So if we, for that five chord, do a suspended chord instead, which means we have G, B, D, that B would be removed right, because we're getting rid of the third, and then instead we'd have a C. So already a five chord wants to go to one, but when we add that tension, of the sus, it really adds to it. And the reason for that is because in this case, when you have a, a five chord that is a five suspended chord, it actually contains the one note. Because we have G, C, and D. And C is the root note of our one chord, because we're in the key of C major in this example. So, sus chord. That's a good one to use. Specifically, the TLDR version of this is if you have a five chord that's going to a one chord and you really want to add some extra tension to it, do one of two things. Either A, just straight up make that five chord a five sus four chord, which again, a five chord is just whatever key you're in, count five letters up from that or four letters up from that, I guess, because you start with the letter that you start with, right? So C is one in the key of C, and then D, E, F, G. G is the fifth. And that would be your five chord. So try a sus four on one of those, or alternatively, what you can do is actually go from your 
regular five chord to your suspended five chord and then go to one. So like this, regular G major chord, suspended one, and then your one chord. Uh, that doesn't sound super resolved because of the inversion I chose to use here. Um, it would sound more resolved if I did. But that aside, that's a quick way to use a sus chord. Second chord, seventh chords. The seventh chord is just, you take your normal triad, which is a first, third, and fifth, right? So it skips the second and fourth. And a triad, which is what, whenever, whenever, whenever you hear something major chord or something minor chord or augmented or diminished chord for that matter, always that is referencing what we call a triad, which is basically a three note chord stacked in thirds because there's three notes, right? C, let's go back to C major, keep it simple. C, E, and G. It's a third from C to E, because we're skipping over the second, which is the D. And that's another third from, from E to G, because E, skipping F, and then going to G. So it's a chord of three notes stacked in thirds. A seventh chord just adds one more. So we take that G, which is the fifth of our C major chord, and then go up another third from there to add our fourth note, so a seventh chord actually has four notes, which um, should be obvious based on what I was talking about, but sus chord still remains with three notes. There's no added note to it because you're getting rid of the third of the chord in favor of the fourth. In the case of a seventh chord, we're not getting rid of anything. We're simply adding the seventh. So in our C major chord, we have the C, E, G. The G is our fifth, and now we're adding a seventh, which is, again another third up because we're skipping the sixth and going to the seventh. So we skip over A and then we go to the B. So if that sounds kind of jazzy to you, that's because it's used a lot in, in jazz and I think blues as well. But there's certainly other uses for it. It is not at all just for that type of music. Really, it's a great way to do some some voice leading, uh, which the basic idea of voice leading is instead of just thinking of chords as chords, you're thinking of how each individual note and the progression of that individual note forms some sort of melody line. All right, so if we go back to how we talked about the sus chord, I once talked about like, you know, for example, taking that G sus chord thinking about it as individual notes instead of like, oh, it's a G sus chord. Like, okay, but what is a G sus chord? We have a G, we have a, a, a C, and then we have a D. So thinking about how like basically just the D goes up one note to make it now a C chord and nothing else has to change from that G sus chord. So voice leading is essentially making each individual note within your chords have a smooth transition to the next one. It's a little watered down, but that's basically all it is. So, for example, let's take a five chord that's a seventh. So in the context of our, we'll keep a key of C, 
that's we know by now hopefully our five chord in the key of c is which by the way if any of this is confusing to you download the guide i referenced before songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide it explains all this stuff um but <clears throat> in this case we have our g major seventh chord which has an f because g skip over a to b then d blah 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 and then we skip over e to add that last third which is an f this can really make that uh, transition from five to one also super powerful that's a common use for this another thing that's common is to actually use it on the minor two chord which in the in ma all major keys whether it's c major g major, any major key the two chord is always minor so in the key of c we have a d minor chord but if we take a d minor seventh chord that seventh is the c so that helps to almost it's it's almost it's almost the same idea as the suspension because again we're kind of looking at voice leading here it's a great way to go into that c major chord because we already have one note from the c major chord right the fact that this note stayed the same really helped make that resolution pretty nice So, if you're going to try a seventh chord, first first of all, just to be clear, you, you can do it on, on any chord, right? So, you can take the, the F major chord in your C major, you know, whatever, whatever key you're in, these rules apply to all that. But the five chord and the two chord are two of the main ones to utilize this with. Keep in mind, too, you can change up the feel of it. If you change the inversion, if you don't know what inversions are, the really, really quick short version of it is that when you have three or four notes in a chord, they don't always have to be played in the same order. So this is a C major chord, but so is this, and so is this, and this, and this, and this. Uh, but really there's three, uh, or there's the root position and then there's two inversions. So this is root position, first inversion, second inversion. That's all the same chord, it's the same notes. Just the order in which I'm playing them is different. So you can do the same thing with seventh chords, right? This is the basic root way of playing it, but I can take this C and instead play it the octave down, right? So then it would become this. Then I could take that A and play that the octave down. So those are all the same chord, just different inversions. So be sure to play around with inversions as well. Again, the really, really simple version of it is whatever notes you have in a chord, the order that, like, you don't need to have them in order. So a G major chord, you probably know is a G, B, and D. Doesn't need to be in that order though. You can do D, G, and B instead. And those type of things really can change up the sound of the chord, especially if you're a pianist, this is gonna be really, really, really important. Guitarists tend to not think about this as much, uh, but it's helpful for them as well. Last one, slash chords. I love slash chords. So if you don't know what slash chords are, basically, uh, this is a reference to how it appears on a chord sheet. So you may have seen things like, for example, G slash B on, on, a, on a chord sheet type thing, or C slash E or something like that. And if you're a bass guitarist, I'm sure you're familiar with this because you know that for you, let's take the, the C slash E example, that the instrument most of the instrumentalists are playing that C 
major chord. But you're playing the E. That slash, the thing that's on the other side of the slash, that's the reference to the note you as a bass guitarist need to play. So this references two different things. One we sort of already covered. A lot of times this is used to specify an inversion, which I just mentioned. So let's go back to inversions for a second. In the case of the C slash E example I gave, all right, so it's a C major chord with an E in the bass. So that's specifying, this is the first inversion C major chord. How do we know that? Well, we know the root position C major chord starts with, well, C as the lowest note. First inversion would start with the second note in the chord being the bottom note. So if, if the C makes in the bass makes it root, then the E in the bass makes it first inversion. So this would be what it sounds like to play a, just as a pianist, this would be a C slash E chord. Because I have my C chord up here, which also could play, play in any inversion, but uh, specifically what we're saying is the lowest note played needs to be that E. So as you can hear, that is just a regular C major chord. This is a C slash E, AKA specifying, hey, this is first inversion. That actually sounds pretty different, right? Because we're pretty used to the root notes generally being in the bass. So when we change that up, it really can make quite a big difference. And something else you can do with this is while the slash chord is often a reference to, hey, this is a specific inversion, it can be a note that's not even in the chord. So something you'll see really often is something like, for example, for the sake of a descending bass line, you'll have something where it starts on the one chord, so like C major, but then it will have a B in the bass so that it can get to that A minor chord, right? we start with just a regular C major chord and that would be a C slash B chord because we have that B in the bass just to create that descending bass line right so what I love about slash chords is it's a really really easy way especially as a pianist it's a really easy way to take a really basic boring triad and instantly make it much more interesting. Because this progression at face value is incredibly boring, right? It's basically C, C, A minor, and then a G major. Like, whatever. Who cares? That's been done in a bazillion songs. And for the record, so has this bass line. But it makes it a little more interesting very quickly just by doing that descending bass line. So, thinking about detaching what you play in the bass, especially if you're a pianist, and this can be helpful for making piano riffs for you as well. 
think about detaching what's played in the bass or what's played in your left hand, if you are playing piano, from what is actually the chord. Same with guitar and bass. Or just a guitar, for that matter. So it can change things so radically if you just, instead of just thinking, oh, it's a, it's a, you know, a D major chord and then a G major chord and blah, blah, blah. We sort of detach the idea of, okay, but what is the bass going to do that complements what, say, the acoustic guitar is going to do? And this is sort of like a nice, easy intro into voice leading because eventually as you level up your understanding of this, it really helps you to start to think of each individual instrument and each part less as like, oh, it's playing a G major chord and more like, okay, I have this instrument over here that's really, you know, playing a G and then we have something in the bass that is actually playing a B to create a, a first inversion and that has a you know a different feel than it would be if it was actually playing that that B, that G note that is the root note of the G major chord, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If what I just said is like, what the heck are you talking about? Again, free guide, <laughs> go check it out. But besides that, the main takeaway here is something we want to do, and I think I've talked about this in a podcast before, but something we want to do over time is really start to think not just in terms of chords and one chord to the next chord. We don't want to just think C major to G major. We want to be thinking about voice leading. We want to be thinking about, okay, but for each individual note, where is it moving? Because just like, and I think I've done this illustration before, right? But this, like that is just gross, right? But with just thinking about voice leading and thinking about notes, or chord changes not just as one chord to the next, but voicings. That sounds better. Still boring and basic, sure. But very different than... Same chord progression, though. But the second one's actually thinking about voice leading. Picking inversions. So just thinking about different ways that you can use the same basic chord progression, but have radically different sounds, which is a part of why music can sound so different, despite how, in some ways, it's it's very limited as far as chords. If you think of your, your basic major key, you really only have seven chords to work with, seven basic triads to work off of. But it's all these subtle you know, nuances of what inversion do we play? You know, are we doing a sus chord? Are we doing seventh chord? All those nuances are what makes a huge difference. And all this, of course, is besides, of course, rhythmic differences and all that sort of stuff. That is what makes it so that, you know, we can have so many songs that are so different despite being built on the same building blocks. But anyway, at this point, we're probably at risk at going to music theory nerd. If this was a bit much, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, but sometimes we do have to talk some music theory. Again, just back to basics. Even if you have to Google it, that's fine. Just think, okay, let's add a sus chord, which again, you just take the third out of the chord and you replace it with the fourth. Seventh chord, which just adds a seventh to the chord. Another way of thinking about that that makes it really easy is take what the name of the, the chord is. So let's take a... C major chord, right? If you have a C major chord, think what is one note lower than the name? Because the name of the chord is going to be the root note, C. 
And the seventh is always, because if you think about it, an octave is an eighth, right? So a seventh is one note lower than that octave. So when we're thinking about adding the seventh, it's just the name of the, the, the chord. So in this case, C major chord. And then we add one note lower. What's one letter lower than C? B, right? A, B, C. So there we go. There's our seventh. So just think whatever the name of, of the chord is, one, one letter name lower, that's what I'm adding for a seventh chord. So G major chord, what is it? What's one letter before G? F, perfect. Or. So that's all there is to seventh chords uh, in our quick review anyway. And then the slash chords is basically, you know, it can be inversions. A lot of time is used as inversions. But basically, the real takeaway here to think of is how can we separate the bass line or what we're playing in the bass or what our left hand, if we're pianists, are playing versus our right hand? Because these are all C chords. In fact, they're all C chords that have the exact same root position in the right hand. So anyway, that's all a slash chord is. Just thinking about, okay, can we separate the bass line from the chord? You can really have any note in that uh, bass part. So play around with it. Have fun with it. Especially if you're a pianist, you can literally just do sort of what I just did, right? Like I, I basically played like every note in the scale of, you know, C major in my left hand while just playing a really basic, you know, arpeggiated uh, C major chord. So... I hope this was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to leave a kind iTunes review. If it confused you, again, I'm sorry, but go check out that free guide. That will make it so that I believe literally every term I used, uh, except maybe voice leading, is defined in there uh, because they, it all pretty much falls under those four, those four basics. We talked about intervals, right? When I said things like thirds, the chord stacked in thirds, that's intervals. Uh, when I talk about key of C major and we know that, you know, there's a G, G major chord or I think I said at one point, like we know that all um, all major keys, the two chord is a minor chord that is also in that guide, all that stuff. Uh, and it will break it down, make it simple for you. So be sure to check that out. Songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. If you are interested, thank you so much to all of you who have been listeners for a while and to those of you who are new. We're happy to have you. Uh, certainly if you think to yourself, man, that was advanced. I can't keep up with this. Uh, that's totally okay. And know that <laughs> certainly not all podcasts are this, uh, technically uh, sort of in the weeds. Mo uh, a lot slash most of our podcasts are things that are easier to understand, but sometimes we got to dive in. We got to talk music theory. We got to challenge ourselves a little bit because, Hey, if you want to be a songwriter, um, I think learning the very basics of music theory is just, you know, 
you don't become an author without learning about, you know, something about story structure, right? You don't become an author without learning whatever language you're authoring a book in. Let's assume English because you're listening to an English podcast here. You know, you learn the basics of the English language before you start trying to write a book in English, right? We take that for granted. So it's similarly, you should at least learn the basics of the, of the language of music, which is music theory. And again, I'm not going to go tell you you need to go learn everything. You certainly don't. Um, but those four pillars are very important. Keys, intervals, chords, chord progressions. And if you want the quick way to do it, it's at songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>